Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. Penn State improves to 7-2 and two on the year with a 45-14 blowout of the Indiana Hoosiers. We'll have a rapid reaction coming at you right now. We'll break down what we saw from team to team, get some fan questions in there, then maybe we'll peek a little bit ahead to the Maryland Terrapins coming into town next Saturday. All that and more on Hardcore Penn State Football. Football. I'm Corey Lestoki. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Yeah, I'm doing pretty awesome. The Dolphins won. Penn State won. Uh, I-, I need to report a crime, though, uh, to everybody listening. Uh, I saw some Penn State on Penn State crime. Jaquan Brisker tackled Mike Kosicki. So just want to report a crime there. That is a big crime. Um yeah, I never thought about you know this. Obviously, we usually record in the morning on Sundays, but had to mix it up a little bit today. Recording yeah. at five o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Got to watch some football already. So some footballs already been watched. I I actually haven't really watched any yet. Um, to be honest with you, I, I I bought the new Call of Duty, and so been playing that a little bit. The first time I bought a video game in I don't know how many years, but um, oh, that's cool. Been playing a little bit of that, but um, but yeah, Sean, it, I think you will be able to sum this. The, the jubilation or the feeling that Penn State fans have right now better than, than most. I, I feel like you're vibing really well right now. Um, and, and Penn State gets a big win at the end of the day. Get you know It's one thing to go into Bloomington and, and win, and it's another thing to go in there and win convincingly, and that's exactly what the Nittany Lions were able to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's exactly how you're supposed to respond to a close loss. The team played angry this week, and that's what we all wanted to see. And they did the same thing against Minnesota. So I think this, I think the character of this team is really, really high. 
And that starts with the young guys. And I think it goes up to the, to the older guys. And there's a new attitude that I don't think we've really seen at Penn State in a, long, in, in a while, probably the past five or six years, if we're being honest. And that's refreshing. And you combine that with the amount of just pure football talent we have. Um, this freshman class is the most talented freshman class. I'm ready to say it. It's the most talented freshman class that I've seen at Penn State playing in their freshman year. And it's because there's so many guys and they're playing at such a high level and important roles. Uh, Singleton and Allen and Shelton, Carter. And then you have guys who are probably going to really take the next step next year, but they're already looking impressive. Like the night Dennis Sutton, he got a, he had an interception yesterday. Drew Aller looks really, really good. Very, very promising prospect. So stay with this team, stay with them and keep watching, go to the game next week. If you could, and go to Sparty if you could, if you could bear the cold weather. And I might be a hypocrite because I don't know if I'll be able to. But if you could, do it. Because this is a springboard into big things. I firmly believe it. And it's okay to be excited about these young guys. Because I think there's something special about them. Sean, I think it's it's a... It's difficult sometimes when you're thinking about it because you want to be excited for like the season right now, but it's it's just human natural to want to look ahead to to what these guys are providing us. I mean, it's just right now we're seeing so many good things from the young guys and it's like you almost want to skip ahead a little bit. Like you just want to you kind of want to get to, to the next year because of 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 what the possibilities could be and um and yeah there's just a bunch of guys that continue to impress over and over again obviously some of the guns you mentioned but even like zane durant is doing some good things um yep i just thought of him (laughs) uh and i mean there was some poetic justice in pensa getting a, a tipped pass interception against indiana I thought when that happened, I was like, yeah, that, the football gods probably owed us one after after some of those interceptions against Ohio State. It was nice to nice to have one of those tips fall into our lap. And so that was that was nice. And and honestly, if Denied Ennis Sutton doesn't get tripped up by the one dude, I, he, he's got some wheels. So that, that was exciting to see. Um, there were a lot of players in that fourth quarter, especially on defense, that I had no idea who they were. And that's saying something when I don't, you know, and we don't have any idea. Um Typically, we, we know most of the, the twos and, and some of the threes, and there were some threes and fours out there um, that they that they were able to bring. Obviously, the travel roster is not as big. But, Sean, again, it's it's one thing to get a win in Bloomington. It's another to really get the win the way they did. You said it on Twitter. Not sure if that's ever really happened before out there. And, again, Penn State goes 2-0 and off of losses. They have a combined win of 90-31 to in those two games. And I'm not saying Minnesota and Indiana are very good, although Minnesota came back to win their game on Saturday. But it hadn't really mattered who the opponent was in previous years for Penn State. And it was an important kind of step, I think, in the program to be able to show that, yeah, you know, we, we – 
that fourth quarter against Ohio State didn't go the way we wanted it to. But we're, and I think Sean Clifford said that straight up, like we were pissed off after the Ohio State game. And it's one thing to say you're pissed off. And it's another thing to bring your own juice and go on the road and, and, and smack down an opponent that you're supposed to smack down. So give a lot of credit to these guys. This is something that a lot of Penn State fans on Twitter, wherever, tell you they're upset with the most is that Penn State can't just blow out the teams they're supposed to blow out. Well, now you look at this season, they blew out Indiana, they blew out Minnesota, they blew out Ohio. You could argue whether or not they blew out Central Michigan. I'm going to say they did. Um, they blew out Auburn. They've taken care of a lot of the teams that they're not even necessarily supposed to take care of, but they, but even those that they've been able to. So that's something that we haven't always seen. And then, Sean, I guess the one other thing that has really popped up to me or made me realize we're scoring a lot of points again. It's it's one thing to win a game, a game in the 20s, but we're kind of getting back to scoring at least 30 points every game. And I think it was the fourth time we scored over 40 points this season. So um, it's nice to see, you know, you, we can talk about quarterback and all that later down the road, but it's nice to see regardless of who the quarterback is, Penn State is scoring 30-plus again. That's something that they, they weren't really doing from 2020 and 2021. Yeah, it's three straight games with over 30 points. And that's something that we literally didn't have last year in big play and in, in big 10 play. Um, so that's a, that's a huge step forward. I think Mike Yersich has done a really good job this year. Uh, but, you know, I, I've, I've heard James Franklin say this. I think he said it his first or second year at Penn State. And that's that the plays work better when you have good players running it. And I mean, it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but you could have, you know, an elementary play caller um, calling plays. Well, if you have a Katron Allen, if you have a good offensive line, if you have a Nick Singleton, some of those plays are going to work. And when you have a good offensive mind like Mike Beer, such as there, you could really see some special stuff. And we have. Um, I, I like that we continue going downfield. Um, that that sort of myth that I think developed early in the season that Sean Clifford just can't throw a deep ball. It's been debunked. Uh, Sean Clifford's not perfect. He was not perfect yesterday, but he could throw a deep ball. Uh, that that's, I don't know how that came about, uh, but he proved yesterday that he could do it. And our receivers are going and catching it. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley had a couple awesome catches on the same drive and that to, you know, to, to give us, to give us an early lead. I thought he played a really good game. Uh, Theo Johnson should have caught that touchdown pass, but other than that, he, he, he was pretty good. And Parker continues to play well. And Katron Allen makes some plays in the passing game. The, 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 one, the, the, long, the long play that Clifford, the play was breaking down, Clifford found him. Clifford made a great play to even get that ball off. But Katron did the rest. I mean, that... I, I couldn't be more excited about Kayshawn Allen and Nick Singleton. And this is, this is one of the premier running back duos in the country right now, not just in the big 10, but in the country. And they're both true freshmen. So what's it going to be like when they're sophomores or they're juniors? And if these guys could just you know, keep, keep improving, keep your head on straight, sky's the limit for this team. I, I for the team in the future. And I firmly, firmly believe that. Yeah, the uh, I, I want to give credit. I, I don't know if you said Brenton Strange too, but obviously he probably had one of the best catches 
of the season so far. I'm not even absolutely. Sure. He had the best catch, I thought. I'm not sure how he caught it. Still, um, and, and and you know, it was just taking advantage of a man man to man opportunity. The defender had his back turned, and then Clifford literally threw the ball onto the back of the defender, and then Strange just did the rest somehow. Um, yeah, I, I want to go back to that Catron Allen play on the check down because a lot of times we, you know, at least early on, people were also saying Clifford hasn't checked it down enough. And, and we've seen him check it down a little bit more in the last couple of games and just letting his his players do, you know, the, the bulk of the work. And he, Catron Allen made a guy miss, Tin, or uh, Lambert Smith helped out in the block. Tinsley helped out on block downfield. I saw Bryce Eppner was 20 yards downfield trying to hit somebody. Um, that's a sign of good health when you guys you have guys downfield trying to block trying to spring somebody um th- that's usually a sign that there's a lot of unselfish ball happening so that that was a pleasant sight to see um uh, but yeah to your credit i think mike yursich and that whole deep ball thing debunked it by just calling more plays and trusting the receivers a little bit more to just go make plays i mean starting with the minnesota game uh continued with the ohio state game and then i what i also like sean is that Parker Washington didn't, you know, wasn't targeted a bunch, but Tinsley was kind of able to pick up the slack a little bit. So uh, it's nice to see that, A, just because Parker Washington doesn't, you know, see as many targets or or doesn't have as big of a game, they were still able to do enough on or through the air um, to win the game. But but really, they didn't have to do very much through the air because the big hog mollies up front and Nick Singleton and Catron Allen were just, just carrying the bulk of the load. I mean, they were just running people over. They are running through people. They are running around people. I mean, Indiana just didn't have the, didn't have the guys up front, didn't have the guys at the linebacker spot. And then by, by the third quarter, I mean, they were, they were completely worn out, Sean. Yeah. And I've made this point before how many times and it didn't matter who Penn state was playing. Have we had that there's a few injuries on the offensive line and we can't do anything? And you knew there were going to be a minimum of three or four sacks. You knew we wouldn't be able to establish any kind of run game. Didn't really matter who your running backs were. You just knew that. <laughs> it just going into the game. And I think our fans, and maybe even myself to a degree, we kind of felt that way going into this one. Because we were all like, oh, is it the best idea to start Drew Aller behind a patchwork offensive line and i think in our heads i'm naturally we were like well a couple of reasons number one that's how it was in years past number two we really didn't know how much depth we had at the offensive line because there haven't been a whole lot of guys that have played the, the, we have seven that we feel good about but we weren't gonna have olu and he's the anchor uh he wasn't gonna be in there we and well caden wallace travel but apparently he wasn't available maybe he was available in an emergency spot but he didn't play and so you don't have your two starting tackles and then hunter norzat was in and out of the game with an injury and you didn't have landon tangwall but they showed that they do have depth like true shelton they're really well there, there wasn't any drop off of pass protection uh the, the one play and it wasn't drew shelton the guards got a little confused on a stunt but that was the only time they gave up that the pocket collapsed and for having a patchwork offensive line i'll take that every day of the week and i think anybody would and they get they and katron's gonna get his flowers and he should but the holes were there he wasn't just creating that out of nothing the holes were there and he was he and he was finding them and credit to dan orlovsky too for 
pointing out how his vision has improved this season and he could see the holes and he's, and I don't think that gets talked about enough and how important that is in a running back to be able to be a patient runner, find the hole and go through the hole. And you can see my cat here in and out of the frame. Um, and that's just what, that's what, a, that's a sign of a polished running back. And that's something you rarely ever see out of a freshman back. So super, super excited about his future. And look, Singleton played well too. He had, he showed his power. He picked up a fourth and one and he, he also showed his explosiveness. So all around great game from the run, from the running backs. Um, still, and I'm sure we're going to talk about quarterbacks eventually still thought Rowler should have started. Um, but Cliff did what he needed to do. He had the interception. Look, that's who he is. Uh, other than that, I thought he played all right. And, and yeah, he did what he, he did, what we needed him to do. And he managed the game. So I think every, and Drew Aller got the play <laughs> and play snaps with the starters. So I think the Drew Aller people, uh, I guess I am a Drew Aller person now, uh, pretty happy that he was able to get some real game experience yeah some of those holes that Catron Allen is running through I think I could have even seen uh, I think it was his last touchdown I mean so the some of the holes that, that we've had open up this season is just just been incredible so again I mean we we harped on Phil Trotwine and spoke about him all the way dating back to the spring and um it's just nice to I mean, like you said, the fact that we were able to, you know, we're in November now and we had three starting offensive linemen out for the most part, and they're able to put together that performance on the road. That's just incredible to me. So big kudos there. Um, Yeah, there's a question specifically about um, about, you know, whether or not Drew Aller, if, if that was the right way to go about it. I think we can talk about that more then. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to argue. It's the only thing I'm gonna say right now. It's hard to argue with the way the game went. I mean, you could say, yeah, Penn State would have won probably with Drew Aller. That's what we had said from the beginning. That's why we kind of said we wanted Aller to start because we didn't think the quarterback was gonna make that much of a difference. But it's hard to really argue the end result. Clifford now only 16 yards away from breaking the all-time school record for passing from Trace McSorley. And Drew Aller still threw two touchdown passes through his his uh, career high in completions and attempts. Um, was able to do a couple of different things. Had some reps from in the opponent's red zone. Had some reps from when he was backed up. So he had a, he had a lot of different kind of scenarios that he got to run through against Indiana. Um, and, and, and like I said, and, and whether or not um, you know people agree with it or not, Sean Clifford did start. And if that's what the team wanted, the team got it. And there's still 100% unification. The morale is still good after Indiana, which I think is an important part as we head down this stretch. So, yeah, all, all in all, it's hard to really argue a 45-14 win and blame the coaches for, for how it went. I, I still think they're doing a pretty graceful job of it. I think Franklin, honestly, Sean, kind of uh, – Kind of toyed with the toyed with this again a little bit, and uh, he said in a press conference afterwards, Sean, that oh, I nothing had changed really in his mind, and I, I thought that was kind of funny. But he did say the reason why he was talking to Diaz, why he was talking to Yursich, and getting a second opinion. It's important to to relay this. 
is he he thought quote that it was better to maybe get a, a perspective from someone who isn't too close to the situation and i think he related it to like you know uh, proofreading your own paper but i think it was I, i'm wondering why he included that sean because to me it was like it debunked all the people that were like, oh, Franklin loves Clifford. Franklin only is doing this because he loves Clifford. And I don't know if it was in direct response to that, but he went out of his way to say, we're all on the same page here. From me to your such to Dia, it seems like everybody in the program is on the same page as far as starting Clifford, at least for the Indiana game. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that was an important thing for him to say that right then and there. Yeah, Franklin talks a lot about um, <clears throat> hearing what everybody says. So I'm sure he's heard that, oh, well, the only reason Sean Clifford's still starting is because James Franklin's in love with Cliff or whatever. And maybe James Franklin takes that to heart a little bit. And really, in, in my mind, he shouldn't because it really doesn't matter what people like me or people like Corey or people like anybody are saying he's the head coach. He's the one getting paid all that money to make the decision. So who really cares what we think? Um, just win, just win games and do what's best for the program in your, in your mind. And that, that, that's, that's really it. Um, like I said, I still would have started Drew Aller, but I'm not going to complain about a 45, 14 game. I'm just, I'm just not, um, and I don't really think there's much more to say about that, to be frank. Uh, no pun intended. And yeah, I, I do think he was. I, I, Sammy from Hoosier Huddle actually asked me when I was on his, his podcast. Check that out if you haven't heard it, too. Um, he, he was saying, do you think this might be gamesmanship with Tom Allen? And I actually didn't think of it that way. And maybe. <laughs> maybe he's trying to give misdirection uh I, I don't think we really needed it for indiana but maybe that played into it too uh just playing some gamesmanship but you know regardless i i'm happy with how we played i'm happy Geraller was able to get in pretty early uh i, I would have put him in earlier but i'm not the coach yeah yeah i agree so i mean i think those are the uh, solid initial thoughts to all this um Let's mix it up, Sean. Let's talk special teams first, because I, I want to make sure we cover Jake Pinniger hitting a 50-yard field goal that snuck through the right uplight, upright, and it was from the, even the right hash. So uh, a guy who was missed two from the right hash earlier was able to just completely shake that off, come in to this game on the road, and just, just nails – a 50-yarder. Now, he, he did have maybe a little bit of help from the wind, um, but regardless, it was impressive and 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 really kind of capped off the first half the best way you probably could. You get a big play, um, and then you get that field goal to end the half, and it's like, okay, like that's a cherry on top, if you will. So uh, that was impressive to me, Sean. I thought Parker Washington continues, in my opinion, to struggle back there at punt returner. I'm not sure if he's getting enough depth. I'm not sure if he didn't account for the wind. I'm not sure what's going on, but then he fumbled it on after the return had started as well. So um, at this point, I don't think you go back and change things because he's been back there the whole time. 
but I'm a little uneasy with him back there, to be honest, right now. And especially as we head into November and the conditions get worse and worse. Uh, also, I feel like sometimes he lets the ball bounce way too much. I mean, there's one I think that bounced at like the 18-yard line and rolled all the way inside the 10. Like, I'm pr- I think the rule is if if it's inside the 10, you're supposed to you know potentially let it go. There's obviously circumstances where you might not, but typically inside the 10, you let it go. If it's outside the 10, you try to catch it, and and he didn't do that. So Parker Washington, in my opinion, meh. Um, and then kickoffs is one last thing I want to mention. They had a really good kick returner back there for Indiana, and Jake Pinnegar did a fantastic job keeping him, uh, keeping the ball out of his hands. So that was impressive. And and Barney Amore, I don't know if he's – I feel like he's struggling a little bit. He hasn't had his best couple days punting. Um, he didn't have a great day against Ohio State, and he didn't have a great day against Indiana. So that's something, I guess, to pay attention to uh, moving forward. Yeah. Big credit to Jake Penninger. Hasn't missed a kick in Big Ten play. Those two missed kicks against Ohio State. Again, he was strategically trying to do that. So then we got the ball back, and it worked out because Jake's also a genius. So knowing that, uh, yeah, hitting a 50-yarder in college, I mean, people really – it's not as rare as it used to be, but it doesn't happen every day. Uh, there, there are a lot of bad college kickers right now. And oh, and that's been true pretty much throughout the whole course of time. But there are a lot of bad college kickers, and I can't put Jake Penninger in that category right now. When you've gone weeks and over a month without missing a kick, can't call you bad, buddy. So very happy with the way he's – with the season he's having all together. Rough start. But he's really he's really rebounded. Um, yeah, Barney hasn't been great the past couple games, really. And tad concerning that he's just not, I don't know, something's off. I'm not a punting expert, so I really can't speak as to what's happening with him. But they're not being down inside the five anymore. That's all I know. <laughs> and it felt like it was automatic in the early part of the season. And yeah, Parker looks very unsure of himself as a punt returner. I liked what he was doing early on in the year, but really since the uh, Auburn central Michigan game around that time, he just, he looks very unsure about what to do when to call a fair catch. Like Corey said, when to let the ball go uh, and bounce on the ground. And he fumbled yesterday. We're lucky to get it back and you can't have that. It just can't happen. And for a guy that's been here as long as Parker's been here, buddy, you gotta you gotta be better than that back there. So I don't I don't know if it's too late in the see because the thing with punt returner is oh, not everybody can do that because it's so hard to figure out where the ball is and you got to judge the wind correctly. It's not like being a kick returner. Punt returner is a whole different animal, and maybe they don't have anybody they really trust back there. And Parker's the best they got. That could be. But if they have anybody else, I would like to see it. And yeah, kick return or kick and punt, kick coverage and punt coverage, awesome yesterday. Jalen Lucas is one of the best returners in America, and he's probably the only special part of Indiana's team. And you wouldn't know it yesterday. Uh, Pinnerger had a had a couple of kicks into the end zone. 
I believe it was off Gabe Nwusu that Lucas had about a 30-yard return. But look, when you're playing against a guy like that, a great player like that, you'll take that. If that's the worst he's going to do, not a big deal. So awesome. So all, all around, pretty good day on special teams outside of the fumbled punt return, which we ended up getting back anyway. You mentioned maybe no one else being able to do punt return. I'm just thinking, you know, we're, we're talking Sean Clifford and, and moving on from him and beginning to get other people like Drew Aller experience. You can make that same argument for other positions moving forward. Parker Washington's been the dude for punt returning pretty much for the last two years. Who is going to take the reins there? And um, and moving forward, like, is it Caden Saunders? Is it, I don't know. I don't know who else it could be, to be honest with you. So, I mean, when do you maybe start getting that person some reps if you're going to start doing those kind of things? Because Daquan Hardy's not going to be around either. So, I, I just another thing to think about. If you're going to make that, if fans are going to want to make that transition, like, oh, who cares about this year? Let's just focus on preparing for next year. Well, you gotta you got to go full in then, right? you got to find who's going to be your punt returner for next year, who's going to be your kick returner next year, because – Truthfully, I don't think you really want Nick Singleton doing it every single time. But um, even with Catron Allen firmly being the starter, I, I don't think you want Singleton back there if you can find somebody else to be better. So I'm just saying, if you want to make those long-term decisions, um, same with kicker. Jake Pinniger, great kicker. Okay, he's not going to be here next year. When do you start letting someone else start doing field goals? Because... He's not going to be around. So I'm just, you know, I'm playing a little devil's advocate, I suppose. But if you're going to say, let's start preparing for 2023, it doesn't really end with Sean Clifford. Let's start seeing, not necessarily those guys taking a back seat, but let's start seeing different people kick field goals, especially um, um, Xander Sahadak. You know, there's no reason we got four games left. There's no reason for him to not to get a couple more reps and, um, and same with Nuusu, or same with Nuusu and Barney and Moore, maybe on kickoff spe- or uh, kickoff specialist duty. So I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what they do with all that. I don't think much of that's going to change, to be honest with you. But if you're going to make that argument, you kind of have to make it everywhere, right? Well, I think a lot of the people would make that argument everywhere. Um, maybe not everybody, but I think a lot of people. I think there's a segment of the fan base. And, you know, whatever. We all have different expectations. And there's no one correct answers here. But I think a lot of the fan base says, if you don't beat one of, or both, of Michigan or Ohio State, then the season's a failure. And and who cares about what else happens? So why not give the young guys experience at, at every position, not just quarterback? I, I think that's a tough way to be a fan, personally. And I understand the frustration. God, I understand the frustration. I do. But I think if you look at a 10-win season, and I think we're looking at a 10-win season pretty dead in the eye. I mean, I don't know. I'll be happy about it. But, yeah, so I think a lot of the same fans would say, yeah, let's move on (laughs) to Sanders Sahadak. Let's move on to a different punt returner. and. And also, let's be real, quarterback is a more important position than punt returner. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it. I get it. And, and yeah, I get it. But um, we don't have to dwell on punt returner for that long. But 
I mean, you could make Cristal's going to be gone too at Long Snapper, so maybe you want to see the extra Long Snapper getting some love as well. I am a Long Snapping expert, and I know all about the Long Snapper, so I would like to see some new blood there. I don't. Um, yeah, I, I that one time I don't know what game it was. We did see the backup Long Snapper, which I don't remember his name, uh, for one of the Xander Sahadax kicks. I think right before the half. But um, anywho, let's let's go defense. And we'll finish the offense. Uh, Indiana had seven three and outs on Saturday. They defense forced three turnovers. Daquan Hardy was one inch away from having a pick six. Uh, Kalen King had a nice interception. Obviously, denied Dennis Sutton's was kind of tipped right into his lap for him. Uh, but overall, defense played remarkable. You could argue it was one of their best games. Now, Indiana's offensive line. They fired their offensive line coach a couple of weeks ago. Michigan had like eight sacks against them. Their offensive line's terrible, like awful. But it was nice to see the defensive line just, you know, okay, you're awful. doesn't mean we're going to go easy on you and, and take over the game. 16 TFLs, which is a school uh, tied for a school record, uh, which was set in 2018 against Kent State. And and really from the get go they they just destroyed the line of scrimmage. There was one drive which I got very upset with because Penn State had just scored a touchdown and then they had um, a blown coverage on a crossing route and they never really recovered mentally. I think they had gave up two big runs to Tuttle and then uh, the touchdown pass over the middle. So that one drive was ugly, um, but 100% forgave them once they. Uh, sudden change after the interception by Clifford. They came out. Indiana's already in field goal range, and Adisa Isaac gets a sack on second down. Jair Brown gets a sack on third down and knocks him out of field goal range, and Indiana actually has to punt. That was pretty much when the game was over, in my opinion, once that had happened. Um, so credit, they completely redeemed themselves and then shut them out the rest of the day. So you, you really can't argue again. On the road, not in front of your home crowd, you got to bring your own juice, and they brought it, Sean. Yeah, yeah, that 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 drive where they had Indiana has a short field because of the cliff interception. Yeah, that basically the game felt completely different after that because you had the sack and then they had a false start because that's what that's what bad teams do. Frankly, they shoot themselves in the foot and then they let the other team shoot them as well. And and yeah, then we had another sack and all of a sudden they're out of field goal range. It's fourth and about 80 yards so that's that really set the tone for the rest of the game don't really know why we didn't have a spy on jack tuttle early in the game it was their whole offense was just tuttle running the ball and then by the way justin fields did the same thing against dolphins today but different story <laughs> and um yeah i don't really know why we did that but yeah, didn't really hurt us that bad because Jack Tuttle can't throw. And Indiana, like Corey said, their offensive line is horrible. And Penn State exposed that. They did what they did what you have to do against bad offensive lines, and that's just impose your will and have fun. And Penn State certainly did yesterday. Uh, I, they tried a lot of a lot of bubble screens, a lot of wide receiver screens at the beginning of the game, and they continued that. It did have success against Michigan in their game with Michigan. Uh, that, that was kind of their whole offense that game, and eventually it's going to run out of steam, and it did that day. 
Penn State didn't have any part. They don't didn't allow that at all. Our cornerbacks were flying to the ball. Uh, Jalen Lucas, who we talked about, they tried getting him involved in that way. We snuffed that out pretty much every time and really kept Jalen and really kept Lucas in check. And they, it just wasn't there for them the whole game. Um, yeah, the secondary you know did what they had to do. Kobe King made some plays, encouraging to see. Uh, he had a, I think he had a first tackle for loss of the game because Tyler Ellison went down the first play, came back in though, so I think he's all right. Uh, I thought he played a good game. Uh, Jonathan Sutherland on DDS's uh, pick uh, interception, he was the one that tipped it, so he got he actually got the start yesterday, which I didn't expect. I thought Abdul Carter was kind of definitely the starter, um, but I guess not. <laughs> So, overall, very, very good performance outside of that one frustrating drive where things just seemed to fall apart. Yeah, I think that was Kobe King's best game of the season. I thought he played much faster than he had. Um, And and he's improved, I think, steadily the entire season. Tyler Ellison actually got shaken up twice. So, we'll see, you know, keep an eye on that moving forward. Uh, You know, Franklin said that, when Penn State can play three true linebackers, we'll probably see Carter and Jacobs in at the same time. Carter at Will, Jacobs at Sam. Indiana does not do that. They throw the ball 50-something times a game. They spread you all the way out. Theoretically, it was a Sutherland game, so I get it. However, I don't think he's very good. It's kind of his fault on the first touchdown pass. He's just not great. And, yeah, he did have the tip, but... Okay. Yeah. Good job. I, I, I just don't and, even want to spend any more time on him. I mean, I, he is what he is, but at what point again, do you put Carter in those situations? Like make Carter start to improve in space, make him start to improve with his pass coverage because, you know, the, you know, same thing. Sutherland's not going to be going to be coming back next year. And honestly, is it that much of a drop off? And, and that's not even just with Carter, right? I mean, now we're going to get to the point of the season where we should start seeing even more of the young guys. And so that's just something to pay attention moving forward. So, yeah, otherwise, I thought yeah. I thought King played really well. And and, yeah. and and he made a big difference in the way he was flying around the field. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like Sutherland is Navarro Bowman in pass coverage where he's got to be on the field. Like, he, he was an average, maybe below average safety. I mean, we're not losing that much by him being on the bench. So, but, but hey, I mean, he's he's also a senior, so I think the coaches trust him more. He's a sixth-year senior, so maybe that plays a role. But, you see, the thing is, guys, I talked a lot about the talented freshman class, and we all have. We need to stack classes together like that. So, guys, like, so we're not depending heavily on guys like Jonathan Sutherland, frankly. And we could upgrade that spot and have a guy that's good in pass coverage, but maybe not great against the run, but actually like an impact player in pass coverage. Because Jonathan Southern is just not an impact player in any way on defense. He's a good special teams player, but he's not an impact player at all on defense. So you you have to take Abdul Carter out because you don't trust him, but then you put in a guy like Sutherland and the defense, it's not like you're gaining anything from being on the field. Yeah, yeah. I think you said enough about it. I don't even want to talk about it. This is a happy day, 
and I just don't want to. I there's that one play in the Ohio State game where he bit so hard on the play fake. I've never seen someone bite that hard on a play fake in my entire life. It's in the film breakdown, but um, it was just. I mean, that was when I was like, I'm done with this. I'm just, yeah, uh, my spirit is broken when it comes to that conversation, and I just we we talked about it seriously, Sean, probably like what ten months ago we started having that conversation. Yeah, blue white game. Yeah, even before that. Yeah, but really, you're right. The blue and white game, he looked not great. And I was like, that's not good. So, um, yeah. Anyway, otherwise, yeah, I, I think the linebackers played good. Curtis Jacobs got banged up, so that's something to pay attention to moving forward as well. Um, and then the defensive line probably deserves a lot of credit and attention. Izzard had a sack. Ellie's had a sack. Adisa Isaac had a sack. Chop Robinson actually technically had a little bit of a quieter game. But, I mean, they just swallowed the Indiana offensive line. They couldn't – Indiana, not really a great running team to begin with, but Indiana really couldn't run the ball at all. They couldn't pass protect at all. They went through three quarterbacks in this game. Um, yeah, it just – it. if I was an Indiana fan, I don't even know what you say after something like that because it was the exact same thing happened to them against Michigan in the long run. Like, they just literally couldn't pass protect for any sort of time to give anybody any sort of chance to do anything. So – uh, credit those guys up front. Again, it's one thing to do that when you're at home against a weaker opponent. It's another thing to go into their place and be able to fire off the ball and, and make plays. And, and Indiana went backwards a bunch. Like I said, 16 TFLs. But some of those TFLs were like five or six yard losses on jet sweeps and and, and, and sweep plays. So um, they were getting immediate penetration. And then it was setting up in third and longs, which let them feast on for sacks. So it was, you know, it was kind of a... Uh, uh, scratch my back and I'll scratch yours kind of thing with, with the defensive backs and the defensive line all night. Yeah, I was surprised to see them go east-west as much as they did because Ohio State didn't even have success going east-west on this. So what made them think they would? But, you know, when you're a limited offense like they are, you just try things, I think. But it's just that they're not, they're not a very good football team. But Penn State did what you're supposed to do against bad football teams, and that's beat the piss out of them. So we're all happy with that. And it was a drama-free game. And isn't that what we want against bad teams? But think about how many games against Rutgers we've had over the years where Rutgers just hangs around the whole game. And you just feel like, um, are, are we going to win today? Or, I remember, it, I believe it was, I was at the 2019 Rutgers game. And we had just lost to Minnesota and we just lost to Ohio State in back-to-back weeks. And I've been at blue-white games with better atmospheres than that, with more electric atmospheres. It was like we were was watching a, it was like we were going to watch a funeral. And the players were dead, the fans were dead, because really every uh, the, the playoff cha- the playoffs weren't in question anymore. The, the Big Ten wasn't. We were kind of like where we are right now. But I didn't see that yesterday from this team. That's what really excites me. And that the 2019 team was pretty damn good. But this team, there's something different about their character. And I really, I'm super, super excited because I think the older guys feed off that younger energy too. And the older guys played well and the younger guys played well. We have a lot coming back next year. So, like I said, just stay tuned, guys. There's a lot of good things to come. There's a lot of good things to come this year, but especially next year. I, it's hard to even really understand, like, how it's all going to go down as far as 
you know, who could potentially come back. It's sort of a mess. We got some questions on Twitter about that. And I said, let's just hold off on that conversation for right now um, because it, it's not evidently clear for a lot of dudes. Um, one of those being Olu Fashionu, who, who didn't play, didn't even travel. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, just to wrap up the defense, uh, Kalen King and Denai Dennis Sutton both get their first career interceptions, which are now more interceptions than anything Micah Parsons ever had, and tied Marcus Allen for career interceptions. Um, just all jokes aside, it is pretty sweet that, that Kalen King gets his first pick, maybe gives him some confidence as far as playing the ball. Um, and then Denai Dennis Sutton, the dude's played a lot of football for a freshman, and can see him playing a lot more football in these next couple weeks. So it's an exciting time. Uh, Zane Durant ran over an offensive lineman. I think Audrey Snyder spotted that, so that was pretty cool to see. Um, you're going to have to remind uh, Winston. Can't remember his first name. KJ Winston. Yeah, he was out there a decent amount. Um, yeah, they, they, they got a lot of guys in on defense. So I Number 29 for Penn State, not even sure what – his name? Constantini. Constant, yeah. I joked around. I texted you guys. I said, oh, I look like John Reed almost had an interception. So um, I didn't even know, to be frank, I didn't know who that guy was. And so it was, it was nice to see him make a play. Oh, Dom DeLuca had a fantastic game um, just doing DeLuca things. Like nothing crazy, but just, you know, being in the right spot multiple times. You know, that's just been what Dom DeLuca's been all year. He forced Aaron throw on the, on the Hardy interception. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Um, yeah, and da- it's it, Daquan Hardy almost had his second career pick six, which was almost identical to his pick six he had against Michigan State. Like it was, like I'm pretty sure the Michigan State pick six was also a two curl route that was a overthrow that he just caught. I mean, it was almost like mirror image for a second there. It was, it was really, it wasn't the same end zone side, but it was really weird. Um, yeah, overall. I don't know, Sean, if you want to go into like what I, the Manny Diaz experience, if you will, as far as the bending, but, you know, the, the, maybe the, maybe it's not that anymore. Maybe it's just the not going to bend or I'm going to break defense. I'm not sure, but um, it definitely seems like if a team can get a drive going and then the tempo, I, I really think Manny Diaz defenses struggle with tempo. And that's something Indiana likes to do a bunch. That's something Maryland's going to try to do a decent amount. Um, so that's something to pay attention to because that's really honestly how Ohio State beat Penn State when it's all said and done. They went tempo in a, in a fourth quarter, and it paid off for them. So that, that, that's something that I'd like to see cleaned up. But otherwise, you win 45-14. They had one good drive. You had one really good defensive drive. And then they didn't do anything until the very end of the game. It's really hard to argue a better performance on the road especially after what happened two weeks ago. Yeah, it's fair to say this defense struggles with big plays, with giving up big plays. And like you said, I think that's a good point with tempo. And it seems like when they're on their heels, it's yikes. Like, you just, you feel like a bad thing's about to happen. And all of a sudden, the pass rush can't get home, and we just look a step slow out there. And... I tweeted during the game, like, this This is pretty much a feast or famine defense. And sometimes in, when you think of feast or famine, you probably think, like, oh, one game we're awesome, one game we're terrible. No, a lot of times it's in the same game. Like, yesterday we broke the record for TFLs 
But then they went through us like a hot knife through butter one drive. And you're like, what, what is this? <laughs> and against Ohio State, they played masterfully through three quarters. And then they give up 21 points in nine minutes. So it's, it, it's bizarre. And I don't know as long as Manny's here, and I think Manny's a good coach, I do. I think as long as he's here, that that's probably going to be what it is. Like, you're probably never going to feel safe with the lead. And I think that's not going to sit well with a lot of fans. It's frankly not going to sit well with me. But I think that's the reality. And there are some games like the Purdue game where we struck, we struggled a lot in the first half. But in the fourth quarter, we got going. You saw what this defense could do. And I think against Auburn, it played well the whole game. Uh, same thing with Northwestern, although Northwestern's kind of incompetent. And it was uh, monsoon. But I think that's just going to be the Manny Diaz experience. And you might not like it all the time. You won't like it all the time. But it could. But I think it'll be enough to win us to help us win a lot of games. Penn State defense is for 17 turnovers so far this year. They had 21 all of last year, so most likely going to break that. They have Rutgers coming up, who I think is 100th. Uh, Maryland and Michigan State do an average job of taking care of the football. So, you know, it, it, it's it's it wouldn't be surprising that they get four in the next three games. Um, which would then tie it. That was my bold prediction going into the whole season, Sean, was was them breaking last year's 21 turnovers. So we'll see if they can get there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I trust their defense more when they have the lead than I do, like, with that, them being down, to be honest with you. Like, if you, had a, if you had to tell me just on defensive performance alone, do I think they're going to do better being up by seven or being down by seven? I, I, I don't know. It, you know, when Manny Diaz has a lead, I feel better than I do than like when Brent Pry had a lead. But if I was if I needed a stop in the ball back, I trust Brent Pry's defense to get me you know that chance than Manny Diaz as of right now, which I mean, it's hard to really kind of measure that. But that's where I'm at right now with that. Yeah, he had a lead against Ohio State, though. And yeah. he still blew it. So yeah, true. But I, guess, I understand what you yeah. mean, though. Like, you felt like more typically Brent Pry's defenses weren't bipolar during games. Like, if we sucked from the beginning, we were just going to suck the rest of the way. Maybe we fix a thing here or there. But, and if we looked awesome to start the game, typically, except the 2018 Ohio State game, really um, <laughs> notwithstanding, if we were going to be pretty good the rest of the game. Whereas this Manny, D- Manny Diaz experience is unpredictable, but it is fun at times, I gotta say. Yeah, and again, we are live on YouTube right now, so uh, make sure to check us out on YouTube. If you're listening live, watching live, make sure you are subscribed to the channel and you have liked the video and um, and chat with us. We got a comment here from uh, Christoph. And actually, this question is going to be asked a little bit later on. It's one of the fan questions that was tweeted at us. Um, but they asked, do you think we get just one year of Manny Diaz? Uh, we'll get to that question in like probably 10 to 15 minutes. Well, maybe 20 minutes. Uh, so we'll get that question answered for you. But a uh, very good question, especially since Manny Diaz really hasn't um, really hasn't stayed in one spot for too long. So uh, 
we'll we'll talk offense now, Sean. And let's not go down a Drew Aller, Sean Clifford rabbit hole because I think there's a question about it a little bit later. Um, and I know we've talked a decent amount about it, but I just want to go back to the running game. And, and we're not to talk again about the running backs and the offense line specifically, but just overall, Sean, they're running for one point like five yards per carry more than last year. They have nine more rushing touchdowns this year than last year. Katron Allen and Nick Singleton have eight rushing touchdowns each, which ties Noah Kane's freshman rushing touchdown record. Um, so both of them are probably going to break that record. It's just been a complete 180 from what last year was. Everyone said Penn State had to improve, right? Had to be better. And they have, and then they have, it went from a weakness to a strength pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest difference from this team versus last year's team is you can really lean on the run. And that's so, so important, especially when you're playing. And I mean, it helps against good opponents too, but when you're playing weaker opponents and, you know, maybe your quarterback isn't isn't playing his best or you have an average quarterback like Penn State does, and maybe things aren't things aren't exactly there in the passing game. You can lean on your run game. Like if we had this run game operating the way it is last year, we easily beat Illinois. In fact, I think we might easily. I think we'd easily beat Iowa. And there's two more wins right there. And there you are at nine and three. And we might beat Michigan State, but I mean, rear view, you know, and maybe Michigan, but that's the rear view mirror. So we can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't do that, but that's the biggest difference. And you know how I feel game, about the rear view mirror, Sean. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry to have to, to have to do that, but it shows the biggest difference in, in this team versus really any team in the James Franklin era, including the teams with Saquon. Like Saquon was a special runner, but he had a lot of games where, third quarter and we're like oh boy Saquon only has 15 yards rushing and this is this was a generational talent but because we didn't have a good offensive line you're gonna have games like that where and it's and it's hard to make uh chickens and sometimes sometimes you can't make chicken salad out of chicken poop and Penn State doesn't have chicken poop this year on the offensive line. We have a good one, maybe even a really good one, when you consider the depth we have. Can't make chicken salad out of chicken poop. Is that an actual, like, saying? I think so. I think. It might be a Scranton thing. We'll have to ask you, Donnie. Is your, is your chicken salad, Is are you, like, chicken of, like, grapes? Is that is that what you guys consider chicken salad? No, I don't. I don't. I never heard of chicken salad with grapes around these parts. You know, Big Sean. Shout out to Big Sean. He made, he's made chicken salad before. He never made it with grapes. So is it like is it like a pasta salad that has chicken in it, or tuna salad? No. Yeah, you could. You kind of make it with tuna. You mix the chicken up. It's it's good. It's 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 I mean, I like it. Um. I'm gonna be honest with you, Scranton food, Valley food. I've been, I've literally been lived all over the world. Um, not impressed with the Valley food in general. What did you have? I, just like just just normal food was not prepared to my 
overall expectations. Well, what did you have? Depends on what you eat. If you're eating chicken wings, if you're eating pizza, it's really good. If you're eating... I'm not a fan of the Valley Pizza. I'm going to be honest. Really? Did you only have, like, one pizza place? Whatever. No, I had the pizza that was at the party. wasn't a fan of it. You're judging a whole area's pizza off of one place. You can send me some. I'll try. I'm willing to try it. I love pizza, but I'm just not not a fan of it. And our boy G-Wiz would back me up. He also is not a fan of that style. No, we went down and we got some... uh, we got some food. We got breakfast. The breakfast was okay. It wasn't crazy good. It was, you yeah, know, it's hard. To, you can't screw up. Yeah. It's hard to mess up breakfast, but it it wasn't like overly amazing breakfast. Um, and then we got we got food before the wedding, and that food, I mean, pierogies were okay, but everything else mm, it was okay. It, it wasn't like you know, it wasn't walking away from it feeling amazing about it. But we can have that conversation another time. Not, probably just like gutted half of our viewership with talking crap about valley food but look i i'm not even a picky guy like i will eat anything and it'll, it'll be fine but i look, haven't bar- found i haven't found anything in the valley where i'm like man i just need to eat it look barbecue and like mac and cheese and stuff down south you guys win like i had a professor from alabama and she cooked us mac homemade mac and cheese one time it was some of the best food i've ever had in my life <laughs> but like I'll, pizza I'll wings up here, I I think we're top top of the line. But you know that's me. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to make you some of my mac and cheese sometime. You'll you'll enjoy that. Um, you know I just went through. We do not have the question about many Diaz in here. Um, so let's just keep it brief. But I don't think he's gonna go anywhere after just one year. Personally, I just don't think he is. I also don't think he's had like an amazing year. Where, like, there's a great something out there that's going to pop up. You know, Penn State hasn't really been in the national conversation as much as they needed to be either. Um, If they got, like, a signature win against Ohio State or Michigan and it was because of his defense, I think maybe that changes the tune. But I think it will do him a favor from a resume perspective if he's somewhere besides Miami for at least another year. Um, And if Penn State goes on some great run next year, then maybe that's a different conversation to be had. Uh, but but to answer the question, no, I, I don't think right now I'm too worried about him moving. I think he honestly enjoys – he said something the other day about he, him enjoying being able to be an assistant coach again. So I, I'm not – if I had to put a number on his flight risk at a 1 to 10, I'm at like a 4 right now, Sean. Yeah, I personally don't think there's much of a chance that I'm leaving this after this season. Partly because I don't think anybody's really banging down the door to get Manny Diaz as a head coach. Now, he's he's a talented guy. You could tell by the way he talks in press conferences. He's been the head guy before. Like, he just has that professional demeanor. There are some coaches that, you know, you might really like, but you're like, eh, does he have the personality to be a head coach? Manny does. But I just don't think anybody's really banging down the door for him. I, he seems to be enjoying coaching at Penn State, which is important. I think him and Franklin seem to get along pretty well. Um, you know, it, is it possible he could he could get a job at FIU or FAU? He might miss Florida. I mean, it's possible they they might they might want him, but outs. But I don't know. Penn State might be able to match what they're paying paying for him too. So so there's that. I know Brent Prize. Re- 
uh, I've heard rumors that he had coaching offers before that he turned had coaching offers before that he turned down. So it's a big thing that I think he likes coaching up in, up at Penn State, and you also combine that with the fact that I don't think any, especially Power Five teams, are really banging down the door to come get Manny Diaz from Penn State. Yeah, there was a question. I think it was Jaykoff who tweeted us, but I just I guess I didn't in- include it in um, the show today. But yeah, he asked because he's like Manny hasn't coached north of Tennessee before, so. Is, does he want to get back south? That was the other part of the question. I think maybe, but I, I don't think he's been in any rush. I haven't heard anything along those lines. So uh, thank you for that question. Uh, Christoph also had another question regarding if we're using enough play-action pass. Um, I don't necessarily think they are. But again, a game like Indiana... They didn't really need to do anything besides run the rock. Um, I don't know, Sean. I'm trying to think back to the Ohio State game. If there was anything that really, like, since we're talking about the offense right now, but is there anything that really stuck out to me? Like, yeah, they should have ran more play action. I I think they've done a better job of it in years past. I, I like that it's not just simply a play action from just shotgun all the time. I think the bootlegs have helped. I think being under center has helped a little bit. So, um, and then the play-action quick-screen game has also been very effective. People don't realize that it's a play-action, but but really, you know, most of the time those are, even though they look like they could be RPOs, a lot of the time they are still kind of play-action, quick-screen, get it out, balls behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, if you're having a difficulty thinking about it, think about the one that was called back against Nick Singleton. Um so, yeah, I think they're doing a pretty good job. I wouldn't – it's hard to argue, Sean, after, again, the offense has scored 30-plus points and I don't – you know, most games besides Michigan. So it's hard to argue on whether or not they're doing enough of this or enough of that. Yeah, I mean, what's working now seems to be working. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying, though, that – I think there are sometimes that I think you could maybe incorporate play action a little bit more. It's something we talked about in the off season that if we are able to have a run game, if you get Clifford in play action. Um, but yeah, I understand, I understand where the question comes from. I just kind of think what's working right now is working. We've scored over 30, 30 points in three straight games. One of those games was against the number two ranked team in the country. So I think what's working right now, seems to be working. So I think you, I'm fine with just sticking with what we're doing. Yeah, Sean, I wanted, I mean, we can wrap up the team breakdown conversation. Um, I, I just wanted to say also, I thought, you know, at this point in the season, I guess the receivers are kind of just who they are, right? I mean, you got, <laughs> you got Tinsley, you have Parker Washington, and then you just kind of have everything else. Canberra Lambert-Smith, uh, he ended up with one catch for nine yards. Um, Liam Clifford actually ended up with three catches for 31 yards. Um, Wallace, one catch for one yard, but was a touchdown to, to from Drew Aller. But nothing crazy. Nothing really to go crazy about as far as that third third guy ever really appearing or or i guess setting himself apart from everyone else at this point sean are you just kind of like 
it is what it is. We got two pretty good wide receivers, and we got two pretty good tight ends, and that's the offense. More or less. I think there are some younger guys that I'm excited about. Omari Evans, I wish we gave the ball to him a little bit more uh, yesterday, but what are you going to do? I, I think he he has the potential to be that. I also think KLS has the potential to do it, but you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith disappears at times where you're like, oh yeah, he's on the team still. Like You'll see him, but yeah, right now I think you have two two good receivers and then some okay guys. I don't think any of them are awful or unplayable. And I've seen guys at Penn State before who had no business being on the field. And I don't think that's really true of any of the receivers that we put out there, but they're all either unproven or inconsistent and that's 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 really what you get. So that's really what you've been getting. Um, but hopefully, we're able to, regardless if Parker Washington comes back or not, we're able to go on the portal and get another receiver because I think we'll need one. Yeah, if you missed that conversation with Bill Del Filippo, if we're gonna say that name right, um, we talked extensively about the wide receiver room. So definitely check that out. Um, Make sure to do your Big Ten Pick'em. That's already out on Twitter. I didn't mind today. I, I saw you got yours, and I didn't look at your picks, by the way. Um, I, but I saw you were the first one I got it in. I hadn't, hadn't even left the page yet, and I saw we already had a, a response. So I just checked to see, and I was like, oh, Sean already did his. Um, Sean and I are tied for the top. No coincidence, but um, our show, and we're at the top. Uh, Dorito? Had a really good week. I think he got seven points out of the possible eight, so that means he just missed one game. And um, and so he kind of got, I think he's at 73 points, and we're at 74. There's a couple, I think there's two people at 73, maybe a couple people at 72. So it's close. It's a tight race. Obviously, we're not going to give ourselves a sticker. But, um, but yeah, we appreciate y'all. We had a, probably over 50 entries at any given point we probably have about 25 people that are doing it every week so we appreciate y'all it's been fun uh we'll we'll definitely do something for the bowl games we'll we'll probably just do it through espn and we'll do some sort of giveaway through that so uh we we appreciate that guys um sean any final thoughts on offense before we kind of get away from that i liked it i enjoyed it um it was fun just to beat down (laughs) it was just fun to sit there and watch a beat down yeah, and with a lot of back, three backups on the offensive line. And I criticized Phil Troutline heavily in the offseason. Said he was on the hot seat. Criticized him after the Purdue game. No more criticism from me this year. So big fan of what he's done in turning that, that, that room around. And he's getting it done on the recruiting trail. So I want to make sure I give that guy his flowers because he deserves them. Yeah, just a... We did get a question regarding whether or not Penn State could get into the top 10 with this 2023 cycle. Um, I didn't put that on the show, but just to briefly answer, no, probably not. Um, it's probably not going to happen. Not but, enough room. Nope. Yeah, and, and even if, I mean, it could have been there if they could have kept T.J. Parker, if they could have kept um, the quarterback, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, and there's someone and else got there. the running back that his yeah. name escapes me. And um, KB on keys, KB on keys, still a possibility, maybe. But we just and um, kid that went to Michigan, the lineman name also escapes me. Evan, so yeah, Evan Link. Evan Link. So yeah. yeah, there are possibilities, but I mean, we just we couldn't get it done with those guys. And um, uh, what are you gonna? There's another guy too. Uh, is it not, not Selden? Is it Selden? And and then we had a decommit from Josh Miller. Yeah, they went to Georgia. So went to Georgia. So yeah, there were there were opportunities to get in the top ten, but couldn't hold on to enough guys, and we couldn't we couldn't win enough bat- battles. We were the bridesmaid in too many of these recruiting battles this year. So yeah, yeah but and, hopefully and, we can still get in the top fifteen. It's yeah. we still have a lot of good players in this class, guys. I don't want to short sell that. We do. Yeah, it's not going to be the 2022 class, but it's going to be better than a lot of the other classes. So uh, maybe they just got to maybe they just hope some of those guys are are gems. I think Carmelo Taylor, the wide receiver, is a guy that, you know, he's already shooting up the boards, but he could end up being a really good player for Penn State that was a three star when he first uh, when he first committed. So they just got to they got to hope that maybe they have a couple more that, you know, gems. They hit on everybody and then they develop the rest. So we'll have to wait and see um, on that note um five star reviews we had like a barrage of five star reviews or we're up to 92 now sean we are eight away well i guess i shouldn't say because one of them wasn't a five star review so theoretically i guess we still need nine but if we get to 100 reviews i'll be happy um and i think we had two last week and i read both of those on the show right i think so um yes you did okay and then we got one more, I think, on Sunday or the fourth, which is Friday. Um, five stars, PSU football enjoyer is this person's name. I wonder if they like Penn State football. Um, he said he or she says, apologize. Go PSU. Appreciate the work these two put in making the show logical and fun. So, boom. Appreciate that as always. Takes five seconds to do it. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can do a five-star rating on Spotify. Any way you do it, let us know that you did it. We'll read it on the show, and we'll send you a sticker. So PSU Football Enjoyer, please make sure to DM us on Twitter. You can message us on Facebook, too. Um, email us at hardcorecfb at gmail.com. Haven't got that switch. Probably won't because it's on everything. Um, and we'll get get you a sticker. Um, yeah, we, we really appreciate it, guys. We have got a lot of more traction on Twitter lately, and there's been some great conversations. But there's also been, you know, one or two more random strays of trickiness. So we always appreciate the positive feedback. The positive feedback is what what, what kind of fuels us. So we appreciate it. It means a lot. And, um, again, trying to get to 100 before the end of the season. So um, I believe we can do it, Sean. I really do. Yeah, me too. There's still games left. and. PSU football enjoyer. That's that's a great name. I also enjoy Penn State football as long as they win. And um, yeah, thanks for all the. It was great conversation during the game uh, yesterday. I think we all had fun on Twitter. It, it, it seemed, especially after that. Um, you know, of course, when Clifford had the turnover, the had people going, "Oh, it's your guy," and I, I think that's just going to happen for every Clifford turnover from here on out. 
Um, and yeah, but outside of that, I, I think we had a lot of fun, a uh, lot of good conversation and yeah, let's just keep it up because I love, I love talking about Penn State football with, with you great fans out there. Yeah. We're going to get that every time Clipper does something bad. And then you can clearly tell the people that listen to the show and the people that don't listen to the show when, yep. When you were like, yeah, put Aller in, you're like, about time you're saying that, as if we haven't been yeah. kind of saying those things for a while. But um, it is what it is. Um, yep. Yeah, um, Christoph also had another kind of good point, talking about Drew Aller and Parker Washington. Maybe Parker Washington decides to come back thinking he might get the ball thrown to him a little bit more um, next year. We talked about that a little bit last episode, too. Um, kind of briefly touched on maybe there's a reason to come back if you think you can get more volume. Also, the the running backs have done really good, so maybe you don't see an increase there. It's you know it's an interesting conversation to have there. Um, okay, five star reviews done. Money, money, money. Here comes nil. Money, 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 money. I, but here's Let's my get thing. an nil deal for him. Is is Parker Washington? I don't know. I think he's a five. I think he's like a fifth round guy. So are you going to make more money just going right to the NFL or can someone supply enough NIL money at Penn State for a receiver? That's my question. Well, I'm going to use the Bernie Sanders meme to Terry Pagula. I'm once again asking you for your financial support. And I think that's what we're all doing that on Parker Washington's behalf right now. I will say, and, and two shout outs to Penn State Athletics. Number one, Penn State Hockey beat number one Michigan on Friday night, shut them out 3 nothing, and then they lost to them on Saturday, but in overtime, I think 4-3. So played really, I think they're like top 15 right now, but after beating Michigan, splitting the series, they're going to probably be top 10 would be my guess. So that was nice. I just saw women's soccer just won the Big Ten Championship against Michigan State. So that's also very nice. Hey-o. I think... I think field hockey also did extremely well, but I'm not sure if they won the Big Ten or not. But uh, they did; they went really far if they didn't win it. So, uh, shout out to all of those athletes and kicking some serious butt. Penn State basketball starts tomorrow. Is the so. first game really? To, is that against Winthrop? Is that who it is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow's seven, I believe, at the BJC. That was completely shot in the dark. I cannot believe it was that. Good job. Good job. Yeah, that's it. That is exciting. I'm excited for Penn State basketball. We're not going to really be covering that on, you know, it's, it's Penn State football. Um, obviously, like 24-7 sports talks about basketball. We're not mm-hmm. going to really do that besides what we kind of just did with hockey. But, um, yeah, we're excited for it nonetheless. Um, I think I want to finish these fan questions. I'm looking at the order how I want to go about these. Um, let's start with this question because this one's kind of in a vacuum. And let me make sure I get this recording properly here this time. Um, yeah, so fan question time. This question comes from Dorito Bandit. Big fan of the show. or a big fan of Dorito Bandit. Um, it should pop up there in a second for you guys. But he asks, is Penn State the new tight end you? Kaseki, Fryermuth, now Strange and Johnson. I'm watching that Strange catch on loop, dot, dot, dot. I will also add Jesse James to that list respectfully. I, Jesse James did some really good things. Additionally, Iowa fans aren't going to like to hear that. 
they've got some pretty good guys. Laporta, who's there right now, is a pretty solid player. They got Fant. They've got Hawkinson. They've got some good guys in the NFL too. I'm not sure if I'm ready to make that exact jump to tight end you. But I do think Penn State has three tight ends on their roster, and Tyler Warren, Brenton Strange, and Theo Johnson that can all play in the NFL. So I guess the short answer is if they aren't, they're close. And if it isn't Iowa or Penn State, I'm not sure who it would be. So they're they're close. And um, I think Sean and I disagree as far as if Brenton Strange maybe comes back. I think he's going to go to the NFL. But regardless, he continues to impress. I mean, Brenton Strange had a great balanced day. He had an amazing catch that, that we talked about earlier. But he's been continuously blocking. He's been the best blocker that Penn State's had. And I've just been so impressed with how he's developed that. And he's made himself a lot of money showing that he's capable as a blocker. So, I, honestly, Brenton Strange, the way he's played this year, I mean, I could see some NFL team falling in love with him and taking him a lot earlier, maybe as a reach, what some people would consider, because they just they love all the, the versatility that he offers. Yeah, I think it's too early to give us the belt of t- for tight end U. Iowa since, the da- since Dallas Clark. Uh, he was Peyton Manning's security blanket in Indianapolis for years and years. And Hawkinson is a great tight end, Noah Font. So right now I'd say them. Notre Dame actually is pretty good at producing tight ends. Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Eifert. Uh, they have a guy this year, Michael Mayer, who may be a first-round draft pick as a tight end. Personally, I don't love taking tight ends in the first round, but because I think you can get them in the third or fourth round. But if you want one, he's probably the guy this year. But yeah, Penn State, it's it's a good selling point because people and look, Pat Fryermuth plays for the Steelers, which is in Pittsburgh, which is in Pennsylvania. So these guys, so Pennsylvania Great tight end geography process. lesson. Great geography yeah. lesson. Appreciate that. <laughs> that's one. what I that's what I do. I'm actually going back to school for teaching. So right there. Geography. I know that, Sean, actually. Yeah, kind of an announcement to the world. Um, yeah, in the spring. So yeah, so Pat Fryer moves. The reason I bring that up is a lot of these Pennsylvania guys, New York guys, Ohio guys, they probably end, they probably grew up watching the Steelers. And then Pat Fryer moved to play to Penn State. So good selling point. And if you want to reach into Florida, Mike Kosicki, Miami Dolphin. So, and yeah, I agree. I think Theo Johnson and Brenton Strange could both play in the NFL. Um, I've also been impressed with Strange's um, better blocking this year. Ty Howell is a guy who I wasn't that impressed by his unit last year. Way more impressed this year. So happy to see that Ty Howell's an alum and he's, he's, um, he's, he's doing a good, and I think he's doing a good job with that unit. So not ready to say tight end you yet, but we might be in the running in a couple of years. Yeah, I think we stand pretty much the same on that. Um, and, and Khalil Dinkins did some good things. Cross, I think, might be banged up. Haven't mm-hmm. seen him nearly as much. Um, yeah, I think yeah. he's been hurt the, the, most of the year. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, moving on to the next question. This one comes from our boy Mike. Oh, oh the, yeah, there you go. Um, our boy Mike Vales. Mike Vales, again, is a per- perfect example of how to be on Twitter and to interact with us when he doesn't agree with us. Um, doesn't agree with everything we say, 
doesn't get upset, doesn't run away, doesn't block us, doesn't, you know, drop us a poor star review on Apple because he's upset. Continues the dialogue, continues to converse, it continues to be respectful. We appreciate it. Mike Vales, everybody. Um, he asks, if Olu Vashanu, I almost said it. I almost said it, Sean. If right tackle, or excuse me, left tackle Olu Fashionu comes back next year, which I think will be the case, which we argue on that premise, but moving on, do they move Drew Shelton to right tackle, who played for his first starting game this Saturday at left tackle for Olu, um, even if Caden Wallace, the current right tackle, decides to come back as well? Um Sean, I'm going to let you answer this first, but just I don't know if you've noticed or you know what the title of this episode is. Have you seen what I put it as? <laughs> um, I, I titled this episode Drew's First Start. <laughs> you got and, them. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. But um, with that being said, what do you think about this question from Mike? You know, I actually asked the same exact thing, Mike. In our group chat, I was like, hmm, Drew Shelton played pretty darn well. Could just shift him over to right tackle next year. And yeah, I actually kind of like the idea. Now, I think Wallace would have to be asked to come back because he's a, I think he'll be a fifth or sixth year senior next year. So I think we'd have to want him back. And I think we will. That's just my hunch. I think Penn State will want him back. But, yeah, I mean, just let them battle it out in camp. And Drew Shelton is a versatile player. And you could slide him into guard. Or you could slide him, or you could slide Wallace into guard. Uh, Something that I've been saying over and over again. Wallace was always a better guard prospect than a tackle prospect. So maybe you can move him inside. So I think it gives you um, possibilities. And if Shelton's better than Wallace, yeah, I am all for playing a young guy over an older guy if if um if he's better. Whoever gives Penn State the best chance to win, you guys have heard me say this, whoever Penn, whoever gives Penn State the best chance to win right now, I want to play next year. So that's kind of where I'm at. Interesting premise that you think Olu will be back. I could I actually could see that happening. I just want to touch on that, too. I could see him coming back only because he might be an academic All-American, and I think it's important for him to get his degree, and he's only 19. And if he's done for the season, I I could see scouts holding it against him that he really only has nine games of film. So I think there's there's probably a better chance than people realize that Olu comes back next year. I will agree to to the point about he, if he doesn't play anymore the rest of the year, you probably you probably should honestly come back. Whether or not, you know, if he's a first round pick, it's hard, right? But you could make the argument he could come back and be a top ten pick, undoubtedly, maybe even top five if he's really good, and depending on what the team needs are. And the money between top five and top ten compared to being like the twenty fifth pick is a substantial amount. Plus, he'd have his degree at that point. And, you know, 15 or I'm sorry, more like 20 games, 24 games under his belt instead. So, um, yeah, I will say it's more likely now than it was when he was healthy. But we'll see. I like the idea of maybe moving Caden Wallace inside the guard, potentially. 
I did want to mention that Franklin said about Drew Shelton and J.B. Nelson that the original plan was to try to redshirt both of them. Now they're not really sure if that's going to be able to happen. Drew Shelton's already played in two games now, um, and J.B. Nelson's already played in at least two games, maybe maybe three. Um, so it's it's not looking likely, especially if O lose out for a, a limit or a, an extended period of time. So I don't know what you do if Caden Wall. I, if Caden Wall wants to come back, you let him come back. You know, you don't turn down depth like that. And he has played a lot Definitely. of football. And honestly, I think he's played pretty well. Um, he might not have the same ceiling that Drew Shelton potentially has, but I, I think you would be pretty happy with having him, whether or not you start him at guard, whether or not he backs up somebody, or he starts and you have Drew Shelton pushing him uh, in a competitive battle. Whatever, whatever. that's all positive for Penn State, any way you slice it. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. The offensive line in general is a tough one to predict in 2023, and we're going to try our best, obviously, come the spring. But there's a lot of moving pieces. You have Bryce Ebner who can play anywhere. You have Landon Tangwall that can play anywhere. You have potentially Drew Scruggs coming back. You have Hunter Norzad who can play any of the guard spots or center. You have Olu that can play left tackle or right tackle, or he might be gone. You have Drew Sheldon that can play left tackle or right tackle, or he might be gone. Jimmy Chris, is he going to eventually step up and be the real deal? Vega Ione, is he going to take the next step? J.B. Nelson, is he going to take the next step at either of the guard spots? Um and I'm sure I'm I'm and then the freshman I, coming and, in. And I'm sorry, and don't even forget Sal Warmly will will come back if he potentially wants to. And then yeah, the 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 uh some really highly touted freshmen coming in next year and Javon Javen Williams and Burke Meyer um and and Barnwell but probably playing offensive line as well. So there's And Donka, yeah. And and Donka, yeah. So there's a lot of depth. And it's like making me salivate thinking about all the different ways you can do. And it's actually starting to look like an offensive line room that it should probably have been a couple of years ago, which whatever, not rear view mirroring it. We're moving forward and, and it's looking really promising, but it's really hard to prospect where everything's going to eventually kind of line up. But um, it's a good question. It's a, maybe a smidge premature, but I understand why, you know, it's exciting to think about what, in, what they did against Indiana, what they've done really all season. And I'll finish this, Sean, off by saying I think the offensive line this year is really good. They didn't have three starters. They dominated Indiana. Are they great? Are they, you know, I know because they, they didn't look amazing against Michigan. They looked average against Ohio State. But they're really good. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough to say that. I've seen enough, I guess. I, I think so, too. I, I think that I think that's fair. And. Yeah, that's a that that that's also a good point that it doesn't feel like we're picking the least of our bad options on the offensive line. And it feels like every year, and this year it, it was probably right tackle going into the year, and right tackle ended up being fine. But you're like, oh boy, that right tackle spot. Who's who's the least of the bad options? And it really, neither of them were because they were both pretty good this year. And I feel like that. I feel like the whole offensive line next year, you have good options. And I'd much rather be picking the best of good options rather than the least bad option. Yeah, that, and, and again, Franklin likes to play his best five any way possible. So keep that in mind too, Mike. Um, this, these next two questions, Sean, I'm going to read them together because I think we can kind of answer them all together and kind of get our final thoughts on Drew Aller and Sean Clifford moving forward. So we're going to do it all in once here. Um, this question is from Adam was Indiana the perfect playbook for the remaining three games to satisfy the entire fan base? 
Clifford gets his earned start, quick big lead, then Aller gets half of the reps to grow. We win big, wash, rinse, and repeat. Does sound pretty nice. Let me go to the next question before we answer that. Um, and this one is from Parker. Parkour, I think, technically. And and Parkour asked a terrible question that I'm not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna talk about, but um, Sean, that was the one I sent you earlier. Um, but he says, does three plus quarters of mediocre quarterback play against a completely overwhelmed team really help this team this year or not? I see what he's getting at. I'm not really worried about his question specifically because Sean Clifford didn't play three plus quarters um, because that would mean he played into the fourth quarter, which he did not. Um, regardless, the premise is okay. Is what happened on Saturday the right way to go about things moving forward, Sean, or not? And if is what they did on Saturday enough to, I guess, keep everybody happy? You know what Alabama fans are saying right now? They ain't, they ain't singing Nick Saban's praises. So when everything isn't clicking on all cylinders, trying to keep everybody happy, that's impossible. Unless you are, like, undefeated and you're winning every game, like, 49-7, and you're never going to keep everybody happy. So that's why I really think you can't root think too much about what the fan base wants and you got to just try to do what you can to win games and what and what bets make and what helps make your program a national championship contender now so that so i think that's kind of that part uh what i would say though is i would have started drew aller yesterday but if you're going to go down the Stark Clifford route, yeah, that went about as well as you could have hoped for in that you got to um, you got to you got to play who you think is the best option to win you games right now. But you also got to give Drew Aller some really valuable time. You got to play him with some ones and with and that's super super important it's something that we haven't gotten from a backup quarterback since james franklin's been here so if you're gonna go that route yeah kind of played out the best way possible i don't know if it's gonna play out that way in every game the rest of the year i don't know if it's gonna play out that way in, in one game I'm, I'm not a genie i'm not a fortune teller i can't tell you that but i think that's gonna be what they try to do some version of that and yeah i mean do i think it keeps some people happy that want Aller to start I mean, maybe <laughs> um it makes me a lot happier than I would have been if we struggled with Clifford and, and 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 let me say this I think the worst thing that could happen for this team is if we lose a game with Sean Clifford as the quarterback because then you're gonna hear you're just gonna hear oh we should have started maybe if we had Aller we would have won oh we lost a game for no reason because we had to play our six-year quarterback and you're going to hear that stuff, and some of it's going to be kind of valid. And, yeah, so don't lose is what I'm saying. Don't lose if you're going to stick with Sean Clifford. And hopefully you could blow teams out by enough that you could get you, know, you could mix Drew Aller in the game as well. Yeah, if you can pretty much promise that Drew Aller is going to play that much football every game, I really don't know how you argue it. I mean, if if that is the – 
if that's what he's going to be able to see, it, I'm okay with it. Again, I think I'd rather move the Drew Aller. But now that he didn't do that against Indiana, I don't see Franklin doing that necessarily the rest of the way at this point. I mean, it is, I just, if you're not going to do it then, why would you start doing it against Maryland? Unless, yeah. which I don't think is the case, unless once Clifford gets his record, he gets pulled, which I don't think that's going to be the case. But um, That's so cheesy if they do that. <laughs> yeah, which I don't think that will be the case. But again, they have a chance to win 11 games, and I get that. And if, you know, if Franklin's sitting in the room with me and he tells me that, it's really hard to argue. Like, you have a chance to win 11 games. This team won 11 games the last two years. And so, yeah, I get it. But I am curious, I guess, moving forward, how short that leash is, Sean. Because third straight week, we saw an interception in the first quarter by Sean Clifford. He's thrown four in the last three games in the first quarter. Um, It's like the first possession. He should just throw, like, jackpot one million and just get out of the system. Like, arm punt it, call it an interception, then he just has it out of the system. He doesn't have to worry about making a mistake. Because once he does that, he plays a lot better the rest of the way. So... Um, in all seriousness, I, I think it's not going to – to answer the question Adam has as far as people being happy, no, I don't think it's going to keep people happy. I think people want Drew Aller um, now. And we saw some crazy stuff already. I saw someone said that Penn State would be top five if Drew Aller started the whole season, which I'm not sure how you get to that exactly. Um, I saw someone say that Drew Aller could be the first overall pick, not this year's draft, but the next year's draft if he was eligible. Um, so the takes are flying in hotter than ever, faster than ever. And it's okay as long as you win, like Sean said. But as soon as you lose, or if you do lose, or even if it gets a little sweaty, what happens then, especially if it's because of Sean Clifford? The good the good news is you have two of the last three at home. You're supposed to win all of those. Although maybe Michigan State gets a big win against Illinois. Shout out to them. Um especially after all that tunnel stuff. The fact that they were able to come back and, and win was impressive. But uh, you have two of the next three at home. You're supposed to beat all three of them. The road game isn't going to be crazy hard for you to win as far as the talent or the atmosphere. And um, you have a really good running game. And so that bodes that bodes extremely well, especially as we head into November. Um, that, that bodes extremely well for Penn State. So... Yeah, I, I think just to wrap it all up with the Drew Aller conversation, too, I, I liked what I saw from Drew Aller. Um, and I guess let me let me just end the fan question thing here, and we can talk about that more. Um, yeah, so I, I liked what we saw from Drew Aller on Saturday, Sean. Uh, it, it wasn't – if I was giving a grade for – a freshman quarterback, I'd give him an A, 100%. Gets an A grade for a, for a freshman quarterback. If you're going to grade him against, you know, other starting quarterbacks in college football, I'd probably give him like a B plus. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he made some really good reads. He made some really good call-outs. He set some protections. He did some really good things. Um, I honestly, like, it was a hell of a throw, and I love the throw. Probably higher percentage play to run it for the touchdown because nobody was there. Not a big deal because he, like, I think, what's the word? Orlovsky used the word pasted it right on the Wallace's chest. I thought that was a great way to describe it. Fantastic throw. I mean, it was a needle. I mean, that's what you want in a five-star quarterback. So I'm not going to try to downgrade the throw because it was impressive. However, 
if that is a game against Ohio State and he makes that throw and it hits off of Wallace's chest as an incomplete pass, we are upset with him next year if he does not just run that in for a touchdown. He had a chance to run the ball in the Purdue game when the game wasn't decided, and he decided to force the ball instead of just picking up the easy sticks. So that's something I want to see him improve on. I'm not going to condemn him for it, and probably I'm going to forget about it probably as soon as I'm done talking about it. But that's something I'd like to see him make the easier play, um, make the higher percentage play. And the only other play I could think of that I was like, well, you missed on that one. Was that was the throw? I don't even know who the wide receiver was. It maybe Omari Evans out there. They were backed up. He threw the curl route or hitch route, and he just sailed it. Um, he hasn't really shown that to be a habit yet. But you know, you you want to see him, especially when you're backed up. You want to see him make that throw, give yourself a little bit more space to set up a set up an easier play on. Th- I think it would have been on third down. So otherwise, I thought he was really good. I thought he he again he made some audibles. He made some impressive throws over the middle. He made that really impressive throw nonetheless um, while he was moving in the in the red zone. And over, I was just happy to see him have those different scenarios in the red zone against the defense, backed up on your side of the field. Um, when he first got into the game, there was a holding penalty. How are you going to react? First and 20, what are you going to do? It's just nice to see him play in those scenarios. And overall, I think he passed the test with flying colors. Yeah, he's just very poised. Poised. That that's the one thing since. Oh, Sean, game. can I say one more thing? Sorry, what? I'm gonna cut you what? off. I just want to say also because I forgot one play, and I want to eat crow a little bit because he made a great play. I think it was a second and nine where he scrambled and was able to pick up a first. And I, I've always said he was good around the pocket, but I was actually impressed that he showed a little bit more acceleration than I thought he had to pick up the first. So I wanted to give him credit there because. I did not know he had, and that was a tire defense, whatever, but I did not know he had that slipperiness potentially in his arsenal as well. So that was nice to see. For sure, for sure. Yeah. His, like I said, his poise really stuck out to me uh, that every time I've seen him, this doesn't look like the lights are too bright. Now, he's only been in one game where the game really hung in the balance, and that was the Purdue game, and he, he made some good throws that day. Now he made he made one he made a bad decision he should have back in that game and he should have ran through it but he'll live with that because he's a young guy but yeah yesterday yeah the touchdown to Wallace I said to my TV I was like run run and then he threw it and I cringed and then it's money I mean what are you gonna do <laughs> not gonna get mad at a touchdown pass but yeah they're correct thing to do if you're going to quarterback you is run the ball but if you could do it man you could do it and he has a rifle like that pass to liam clifford down the middle oh boy oh boy what a throw i mean he could really he could he could just really sling it and there's more to quarterbacking than just having a big arm. we all know this but it helps I'll say that and his poise and yeah, his ability to climb the pocket on that scramble, because if, if we could, you know, I I think the tackle got kind of beat and he was kind of, he was flushed from the pocket a bit, but he stayed calm, climbed the pocket, still kept his eyes downfield, but then he was decisive and he took off and ran. And that's that kind of decisiveness. You don't always see from a true freshman. 
you could see some hesitancy in not knowing what to do, but he was decisive with the throw to Wallace. He decided, I'm going to throw this ball. I'm going to rifle it in there. Whatever happens, happens. And when he took off and ran, decisiveness. So that's awesome to see. I, I couldn't be more excited about Drew Allen. And he could be, and we talked a lot about this freshman class today and all year. Well, he could be the crown jewel of the class if he could progress the way that I think he has the potential to. Yeah, Penn State fans would love for that to be the case. Uh, Drew, or Drew, Dan Orlowski talked a lot about it and why Penn State hasn't got to that next step. And he talked about the quarterback position. And honestly, Orlowski put a lot of pressure on Drew Aller. I mean, he basically said quarterback position is a difference between being where Penn State currently is, which honestly is above everyone else in the Big Ten besides uh, Michigan and Ohio State. Like, that's pretty clear, especially Illinois losing to Michigan State. It's really kind of weird. It's it's literally Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and then crap, and then everybody else. I mean, that's literally where we're at now in the Big Ten for the most part. I'm, I'm generalizing. You could probably separate tiers a little bit more if you wanted, but that's a general overall thought there. And how do you get to from that, you know, just a minor step below quarterback play? And, um, and, and I think Drew Aller is showing – signs that he can maybe do those things but but it's early um but definitely has the fan base excited sean so um i'm hoping we see more of that i mean that's if if you're trying to figure out a reason to be excited for this month of november and 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 penn state football it's got to be the continuous play of the young guys and uh they continue to shine and that's kind of how we started this episode and i guess maybe that's the best way to finish it because it's just it's been them pretty much doing a lot of crazy things. You could argue that class is a reason why Penn State's won a lot of these games this year. Um, not Drew Aller, per se, but a lot of the other guys. And it's it's been important. They've been an important asset to the season already and to the program in, in the first year. So uh, credit them, Sean. And, um, and, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. If you're if you care about recruiting and how that impacts the future of the program, that's I guess the best way to say it. Yeah, and recruiting matters and you have some people who don't think it matters at all and those people are wrong. And it's some people that might have chips on their shoulder themselves that think that recruiting doesn't matter. And I don't really care if they played college football or not. They're wrong <laughs> because you look at Alabama, you look at Georgia, look at Ohio State, look at their recruiting classes every year. They are littered with five-star guys. And we have three, three five-star guys in this past recruiting class and a whole lot of high four-star guys. And I don't think it's any coincidence that this is probably the best freshman class we've had Maybe it, playing in their freshman year, I don't know what these guys are going to be like in two years, but playing in their freshman year since, I don't know, before I, before I was watching. So recruiting, 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 and development's important because we've recruited the offensive line better the last couple of years, but we just hadn't seen the results. And Phil Troutline showed, he's shown the results this year. And Terry Smith has developed his cornerback room really well. And yes, he's recruited it well. But being able to develop a guy like Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. is much better than he was last year. And 
I, if I, if we had the pod last year, I would have been a <laughs> Joey Porter Jr. Probably doesn't listen to us, but if he does, I would be saying, please come back for you because he wasn't ready yet. And he was probably going to be about a third or fourth round guy when he should be a first. And thank God he came back because he's much, much better with his hands, with his, with, with just his overall coverage. He's just a much better football player. So that's a long way to say, keep recruiting, yeah, keep recruiting top level guys and keep stacking classes together. Yeah, we got a nice comment from Mark on YouTube saying these two guys really on the mark. So we appreciate that, Mark. And your first name is Mark, so not spelled Thank the you. same. But appreciate it. An accidental pun right there. Yeah, Sean, I, I think that's a good way to put it. And um, yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that. I think it's I think it's true. I think the development's been there. I think Penn State's really close. It, it, there's two ways to look at it, right? But you could say Penn State's in purgatory and they can't get over the hump, or you could say they're really close and you think maybe they're one or two plays, one or two players away. Just an overall better offensive line, and then one or two more plays on defense or offense gets you over it. But but we'll see. Um, Maryland next week, Sean. They just lost to Wisconsin. Badly, I should add. Someone actually said exactly what you said about on the final drive on BTN. They said something like, yeah, Mike Loxley's doing his normal November thing where it just kind of falls apart. And I was like, Sean would have, like, agreed Old, with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, elevator pitch going into that game before we get out of here. I love these elevator pitches. Um, okay. Maryland has a good passing attack. And they're going to, like Corey said, they saw the Ohio State game, too. They're going to try to use tempo on us. Key is... Don't let that happen. Don't let don't let drives develop because you can't just start with tempo on the first play of the drive. Not the way it works. You have to get you have to get them in a rhythm. So I think getting after Talia Tungavailoa and knocking him off balance is going to be a big thing for the for this game. Um, and, and Maryland's not a very good running team, so I don't think you're going to have that much to worry about from that. But yeah, keeping them off schedule, off balance, I think that's going to be the key. And look, I, I've 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 joked about Maryland a lot on the pod, but they're pretty good. They're pretty good. They're not Penn State level. They're not Ohio State, or they're certainly not Ohio State or Michigan level. But if you play a bad game, yeah, they could beat you. And I don't, I don't think that'll happen. But a spoiler alert for my prediction, but. Um, I think we'll be all right. We just have to keep them off balance and keep the offense going. We've scored 30, 30 points in three straight games. I don't see any reason why we can't do it in four straight games against Maryland. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. You know, obviously people have been listening since the summer. I was high on Maryland. I think offensively they're still going to be really good. I, I guess Talia Tagovailoa played. I'm not sure how 100% he is. Um. But you can't have tempo, like like Sean said, you can't get tempo if you don't get a first down. So just don't let them get first downs, and you can't go tempo. Uh, but in all seriousness, I'm not really sure how Maryland's going to be able to stop the run, and Penn State has been able to show um, someone, I think it was PSU Everything on Twitter, had a funniest thing saying they should, Franklin should come out with a defensive line with Chob Robinson, Devon Ellis, 
Izzard and Deny Dennis Sutton, all all Maryland guys, and and just kind of just get start the head games early. I think that'd be pretty funny, or make them all captains. Um, I don't know because they got they got some serious amount of uh, Maryland guys over there. But yeah, so I would love to see Chop Robinson have a great game too. Just just randomly thinking about it. Uh, but no, it it should be a good one. I I think Penn State's defense is going to be challenged. Maybe diff- maybe a similar way to Ohio State, but different at the same time. Obviously not to the same scale. And um, and to be honest with you, I don't think I expect the Penn State offense to have a really good day. If barring weather, barring something stupid, I, I think the Penn State offense should have a pretty solid day. So. Um, I think that's it, Sean. Yeah, and I just want to make clear that the Maryland Terrapins—they are—they should be known as Corey Lestokey's Maryland Terrapins. It's true, because he was feeling feeling pretty strong on them early in the year. Yeah, what are yeah they they're doing—they seem to be doing about what Sean expected them to do, which is what they do every year, and that's mid-season collapse. Usually, late October it starts. What is the Big Ten East standings right now? Um, I, I don't know. Maryland's still six and three though. So that I feel like that's already a pretty good year yeah. for Maryland. And I don't know who they have left. Can't have they they still have Rutgers. Yeah, that's about it. They have Ohio State next at home. So they have Rutgers. Seven and five, staring staring seven and five right in the eye. Yeah. But I did not say Maryland was gonna be great. All I said was that they were gonna finish fourth in the Big Ten East and well, they've already played Michigan State. Michigan State still has to play Penn State. So Yeah, they probably do finish fourth, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I would say this, Sparty, I think I think Tuck might be coming. I think Tuck Tuck was coming yeah. yesterday. Yeah. I was curious about that too. I I was trying to figure out what the score was of what was the score of that Maryland Wisconsin game? What was it? finish at like 35 to 20 or something uh maryland wisconsin 23 10 23 10 oh yeah that that's a to and i think they were affected by that windstorm mm, uh, more was. than yeah in the our game from just watching them watching seemed to be affected the least because there wasn't any rain and there was supposed to be a ton of rain at least yeah. it didn't look like there was like franklin whenever it rains franklin puts a hat on franklin didn't have a hat on <laughs> yesterday i've noticed that <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, the weather honestly probably cost me some money because or the lack of weather cost me some yeah. money. This one. So that was a I think we are all thinking about the Northwestern game. We just all assumed it was going to be the Northwestern game part two. And it, it was windy, but that was about it. Yeah, I mean, the forecast said rain on Friday and then the rain never even got close to really raining. So that messed things up. Talia Tagovailoa, 10 for 23, 77 yards, 3.3 yards per completion. One touchdown, one pick. His QBR was 12.9 against Wisconsin. Not what you want. No. No, not, not yeah, really Yeah, if that all. happens next week, we're going to beat these guys by about 40. But probably won't um, be a windstorm either. So I'd expect to play better. Receivers that we liked, uh, Dante Demas Jr., one catch for seven yards. Rakeem Jarrett, one catch for five yards. So, anywho, we appreciate you guys listening. Um Following us on Twitter, Hardcore PSUFB. Uh, it's been fun. It's been great. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, please make sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. 
If you're listening on the podcast version, uh, please uh, make sure you're following whether it's Apple or Spotify. Again, if you drop us a five-star rating or review, we'll send you a sticker. If it's a review on Apple, we'll read it on the show. Um, Big Ten Pick'em, make sure to get your Big Ten Pick'ems in. Guest picker last week, Bill ended up finishing, I think it was sixth with an eight or a 75% completion or setup completion, 75% points possible. Um, Maddie Fresh, Big Ten guest picker this week, Sean. Ooh. Saquon Barkley. Uh, Trace McSorley. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Doc, his docs is really good, too. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, we can talk to him about that, about what, what's next. But, um, yeah, Maddie Fresh will be the, uh, awesome. yeah, I haven't got down a guy from Maryland yet. We'll see. The, is it the Tostito Times over at SB Nation? Or we'll reach out to them to see if we can see The Tostito Times? Testudo. Testudo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Testudo sounded great, though. No, um, appreciate you all so much for listening. Uh, and all the support. We, we It's been fun. It's been fun. I can't believe we're into November already, but we appreciate it. We'll be back Wednesday night live at 9 Eastern on YouTube. And we will see you guys all then. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Bye. Thank you, guys.